student and listener-supported community radio. CIUT 89.5 FM, celebrating 35 years as the sound of your city.
Hello, hello, and welcome to Tracks from Abroad on CIUT 89.5 FM. My name is Seth Martosh, and I am here with my co-host... Alex Troxel. We are happy to be in today. Excited. We've got our board tech, Matthew, our editor, Rosa, and uh, radio legend, Ken Stauer, here in the studio just watching right now. Um, Don't mess up. Yeah, of course not. Um... For those of you who are new, Tracks from Abroad is a show where we go around the world speaking with students at the University of Toronto, hearing about their culture, about their life, about their interests, their studies, anything related to them. And we speak to musicians as well. And uh, today we were in South America for the episode. We were, and we did our interviews separately this week. Mm -hmm. So I ask you genuinely, non-rhetorically, mm -hmm. who did you talk to and uh, what was it like? Yeah, so a little bit later on in the episode, you'll hear from a professor at U of T, Alejandro Sofier, who uh, teaches Portuguese and Spanish. And uh, we spoke about Argentina. We spoke about a little bit about the political scene right now. I'm not sure, to be honest, uh, where it comes up in the edit, but uh, we spoke about that, which is a little topical. And then he told us about uh, his uh, love for horror genre and literature and uh, a little bit about his journalism past. And uh, Alex, tell me about your interview. Well, I spoke with Tomas Pena from Ecuador. That was some Ecuadorian music you heard to start the show today. Uh, he is a cellist here at U of T studying in the music department, of course, um, as you'd expect to tell us to do. And we started by, I started, I should say, I started by asking him a bit about uh, what he's studying here at U of T and uh, how he got here. Amazing. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I'm a cello performance major at U of T. Right. Could you tell us a bit about what got you into playing the cello? I think music has been a part of me like really sin ever since I can remember like when I was really little I remember I would like perform stuff for my parents or my family yeah I was always like a very musical person mm -hmm. um, and so for that reason my, my parents uh, looked at many many like art related schools art schools in Ecuador which is uh, where I grew up mm -hmm. um, and I ended up going to this one called Colegio Menor um, and it's very, it has a, a massive arts program, uh, one of the best in Latin America. Um, and I, that's where I kind of, I kind of started my musical journey, uh, I guess you could say. Um, and it's there where, where I kind of saw like so many different instruments and I saw different teachers perform every instrument you can imagine. Oh, that's cool. Um, and so, uh, something about the cello always kind of struck me because I, I thought it was such a cool thing like physically right and then like the sound and the way people play just looks great it's kind of like i don't know it can be very like rock and roll right type okay. music right um so yeah and and it's it's not like the violin which is very like you know traditional it's mm -hmm. it's kind of like it's a better version of a violin, <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know wow, okay. like forget i said that <laughs> but like anyways um that's that's what i i think that's that's where my journey with the cello started right um yeah yeah i, I remember that that video of those two uh cellists playing yeah dueling cello that that is definitely that is about as rock and roll as you can get with a yeah, string instrument so exactly no and like uh those like they they're called like two cellos mm -hmm. um they they, I think that's like my earliest memory in terms of like cello music that I right. listened to. 
and now I'm more um, I study more like classical symphonic repertoire uh, mm -hmm. very like uh, classical cello things uh, but I think that that group specifically uh, brought me into like the cello world wow. yeah so about what age were you when you went to this school that introduced you to the cello um, I was um, I I was there my entire life I think like um, the school like the program mm -hmm. uh, goes from uh, like kindergarten basically okay. to, to grade 12 so it's it's the entire student uh, journey okay in one place That's basically cool. but the arts program like the music program yeah um, it's always it's always a part of that and you start learning instruments from grade four so you mentioned that you were into recreating sounds from movies from plays mm -hmm. I, I've done a bit of digging and I see that oh. you've you've done a bit of uh, performance for musical theater here at U of T yeah that's right can you tell us a bit about that yeah at uh, Hart House uh, that's uh, I think that's gonna be when was that actually it might have been earlier this year um, we did a performance of Into the Woods uh, which is a, a very famous musical by Stephen Sondheim yeah, so it's it, it was basically a bunch of uh, UFT music students. Um, actually, I met the the conductor. I met him at uh, orientation. Mm. So that's kind of how um, I got into like this musical theater community. Um, and yeah, then he he told me he reached out. He was like, "Oh, we're looking for a cellist. Um, we're putting together this uh, production of Into the Woods." Um, and I was like, oh, I've never done something like this before. Uh, but it was a, like such a cool experience. Honestly, it was um, it was so much fun. Everybody there was super nice. It was a, a really awesome experience. Mm -hmm. um, we uh, we had like a, a small band. We sat uh, kind of towards the, the back side of the stage. Uh, and then the actors were in front of us. And they had these uh, massive props and really cool stuff, lots of colors. Um, and yeah, it was it was really fun, like four shows, but I would definitely do it again. That's great. Um, I think we could go to a quick music break now. Okay. Um, is there anything that you would like to recommend that we play? Something that's been an important piece in your journey to where you are now as you've... Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I, was, I was just thinking, you know, um, as I said, music has always been a part of me, mm -hmm. but also I feel like Ecuador which is the place mm -hmm. I was born in. Um, I think that that is also, it, it became such a big part of my personality, personality just being from Ecuador. Um, and so actually the, the, there's like this celebration of the independence of the capital city, mm -hmm. and it's actually coming up in a few weeks. And so I'd like uh, I'd like to play uh, this song called Chujita Quiteño, which is a very traditional Ecuadorian song, which um, I'm I'm sure not everybody has heard, but I think it's a it's a great tune. That's great. Well, we'll yeah. have a listen, and I'll be playing it in a couple of weeks to celebrate independence. Yes, yeah, yes, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll take a listen, and we'll be right back on Tracks from Abroad on CIUT eighty nine point five FM, talking to Tomas Pena. Yes. <laughs>
Hello and welcome back to Tracks from Abroad on CIUT 89.5 FM. I'm Alex Troxel and today I'm talking with Tomas Pena. Uh, Tomas, could you tell us a bit about, you know, being a music student? Are there any Ecuadorian musicians who have played a big part, you know, in your musical growth through through the years? Ecuadorian musicians. Um, I don't know about Ecuadorian musicians specifically. I think, well, actually... I did this this festival in Ecuador, and it's it's a very famous festival um, in Latin America, at mm-hmm. least. It's called Festival Quitochelos. Um, it is it is a it is a massive uh, a massive kind of like reunion of so many Ecuadorian cellists, um, amateur and professional, mm-hmm. um, and you get together and you play for for. Um, world-renowned soloists, uh, world-renowned teachers in masterclass settings or in private lessons. And then at the very end, um, there's this big concert that they put together. And uh, it's it's just cello ensemble, so just uh, cello. It's like a massive orchestra, but it's just cellos. So it's it's actually really cool to see and also to hear. Um, So in that sense, Ecuadorian musicians, I feel like it's been a lot of like Ecuadorian colleagues and Ecuadorian people, you know, learning cello, um, lots of Ecuadorian teachers to uh, Ecuadorian soloists. Mm-hmm. There's been a few. Um, I think that specifically, that's a, an event that comes to mind um, when I think about like a very important um, musical uh, learning um, mm. event in my life. Um, and and it's Ecuadorian. It's yeah. it's very traditionally Ecuadorian. So you play music from Ecuadorian composers, or do composers come from all around the world and you play their music? Um, for that specific one, it's uh, for this specific festival, it's Ecuadorian music. So it's Ecuadorian oh, wow. composers, um, and there's some music, you know, some like pop. Uh, famous tunes mm-hmm. that they play as well. Like I remember, I when I did it, uh, we played uh, like the Harry Potter theme, okay. example. Um, but it's all arranged by Ecuadorian cellists. Cool. Yeah. Maybe you could tell us a bit about where you're from. Then, if you mentioned that you're mm-hmm. you're from the mountains, is there something that you've noticed um, that's different from the culture of where you grew up to now living in Canada? Yeah, for sure. Um, I grew up in in the capital city in Quito, mm. um, and that is right smack in the middle of mm-hmm. the uh, Andes mountain yeah. range. Culturally and also like geographically, it's a very different setting um, from Toronto. Mm-hmm. I feel like Toronto is, you know, it's very flat compared to <laughs> Quito. <laughs> yeah. There's no mountains whatsoever. Yeah. It's also like the weather is a bit, it's more stable. Mm-hmm. Because it's in the middle of the world, right? So you don't really get seasons. Yeah. Um, so, like, that's one of the biggest, I think, biggest impacts. When I moved to Canada when I was, like, 13 or 14, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I saw snow for the first time. Um, and, you know, I saw leaves changing in autumn. Really? And I'd never seen that before. Like, the only snow I'd ever seen is at the very tops, like, yeah. peaks of yeah, the, the mountains. mountains. Yeah. Uh, but like, yeah, that didn't happen where, mm-hmm. you know, people generally lived. Yeah. And, and now 
with winter approaching, the sun going down at 4.30. Yeah, yeah it exactly. It's a different feeling, right? It's, it's very different. Over there, the sun goes down at 7 p.m. All year. All year. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it stays that way. Like here, I remember the first time we came, um, it was like around August, I think. And we were at Walmart. And then it was, it was, you know, it's, I don't know, 8 or 9 p.m. And I remember walking out and it looked like 5 p.m. And I was like, this is so weird. How is it, how is it 9 p.m.? Yeah. yeah. You, you went into Walmart and in, yeah. the, in that, that purgatory that is Walmart. Yeah, exactly. You're, you, you, you're like, you came out and you thought no time had passed. That exactly. Been. Yeah. It, it seemed like, yeah, it seemed like a, like an extremely um, long amount of time. <laughs> yeah. But then, you know, coming out and like, oh, it seemed it, nothing has changed. Yeah. And it's so crazy. Yeah. Um, is there another song that maybe represents that diverse Ecuadorian sound? Yeah, there's definitely an Ecuadorian song that kind of represents the diversity um, and, and very like the, the pride there is in the country. Um, just general pride about being Ecuadorian. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's called Yo Nací en Este País. Um, by this very famous Ecuadorian singer, actually. Um, his name is Juan Fernando Velasco, and um, the, the song title just basically translates into I was born in this country. And it's just a really beautiful song about the country. That's fantastic. So we'll have a listen, and we'll be right back on Tracks from Abroad on CIUT 89.5 FM. Yo nací en este país de niños pobres y almidón, endeudado con los mismos que se lo llevaron todo. Un país lleno de historia de hombres y mujeres de hormigón, llenos de coraje y de ternura.
palabras en mi manera de amar Te llevo en mis sentidos y en mi forma de Hello and welcome back to Tracks from Abroad on CIET 89.5 FM. I'm Alex, I'm here with Tomas Peña. Uh, Tomas, could you tell us a bit about symphonic music that you like playing, symphonic orchestra? Yeah, for sure. So I think, well, I love every aspect of playing the cello. Um, I love playing in small groups, in quartets, uh, chamber music. I love playing solo repertoire. Um, but I think my favorite, like absolute favorite um, component of my musical experience has been playing in an orchestra. Mm -hmm. um, I think that has just been such an enriching journey for me. Are there any Latin American musicians, songwriters that have inspired you and have uh, become a big part of your personality in life? Um, yes, for sure. I think with Latin American music, I kind of mentioned uh, the the Ecuadorian, um, the Ecuadorian like very indigenous traditional music uh, that we've played, and it's it's very interesting. I think though um, something that really speaks to me in terms of like Latin American culture, mm -hmm. um, and it, it really like activates my Latin American roots. Yeah. I feel like is very um, very like dance related music so when you have like salsa mm. or you have uh, reggaeton mm. or you have um, I don't know mambo you have like um, different types of Latin American dances um, I think that that really ties in with my Latin American personality because like over in Ecuador whenever you got together for a party it was basically Latin American music and everybody's dancing mm -hmm. um, so it's dancing all the time I think that specific type of music really relates to my Latin American personality. Um, so there's there's like there's tons of tons of really famous Latin American um, singers like Mark Anthony. I don't know if you know Mark yeah, Anthony. Yeah, like of course. Uh, yeah, extremely famous uh, salsa music mm. um, performer. Um, who else? Yeah, I'd have to think of of more people. But there's there's tons of Oh, there's there's this group I went to see um, them perform with my cousin uh, a long time ago in mm. Ecuador. Uh, they're called Chino y Nacho. It's kind of like a duo um, uh, from Venezuela. Mm. So two two guys uh, singing um, together, and they have really really popular songs. Um, th there was always a Chino y Nacho song in every party I right. ever went to, high school party. Is there anything? Just as a, as a parting question, if someone went to Ecuador, what are the things that you'd say, you have to see this, you have to experience that? Yeah. Uh, first of all, definitely go to the middle of the world. 
There's like right. a massive sculpture right uh, mm-hmm. right on the equator. So you can literally stand on both hemispheres mm-hmm. at the same time and you can take a picture. Mm-hmm. I think that's such a cool feeling just being there. Yeah. Um, you should definitely do that. Definitely do all like the natural, natural things. Go to the Galapagos Islands, mm-hmm. a very unique Tour, tourist destination yeah, yeah. and you know you have lots of different types of fauna and flora there that you don't find anywhere else mm-hmm. in the world um, yeah the beaches are incredible and then you also have the Amazon jungle yeah. there you know if you go right. hiking um, and you like hiking you like uh, going on rivers kayaking mm-hmm. all that types of stuff uh, for example um, mountain sightseeing um hiking mountains that's also um some of like the key things to try out in ecuador yeah yeah i don't know if you've have you ever been to ecuador i i haven't been but i've I've been looking at a lot of pictures if that oh yeah (laughs) okay well yeah you can kind of see how like majestic it is yeah yeah because there's because the andes go right through the country right so there you get all these different biospheres on one side it's dry on one side it's wet and rainy and then yeah um, yeah that's really cool have you been to the galapagos islands uh, not yet, actually, which is interesting. You know, I feel like when you're from somewhere, I know, if, like being from Toronto, you don't really do the touristy things yeah, yeah. a lot. Um, and it's, yeah, but I, I definitely want to go now that, you know, now that I've been here in Canada and people are like, where should I go? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. how have I not been to the Galapagos yeah. yet? You know, yeah. Well, I think, I think you have a decent excuse because it is like a thousand kilometers from the coastline or something. Yeah, so it's yeah, not, it's pretty far. It's yeah. not close. Like, not every Torontonian has been to the Rockies or... Exactly. I, mean, I, I haven't, so... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's kind of far. Um, I don't know if people fly there, actually, or no, I sure. feel like it's usually a cruise. Right. It's, m- it's, most of the time, it's a cruise. Uh, but like I've heard from friends and family that it's like the place to visit in Ecuador. Yeah, it's beautiful. It, yeah, from the pictures, it looks like because there are no, I think, natural predators on the island. Mm. Every animal has evolved to just look as cute and rotund yeah. as possible. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> yeah, you have incredible. like it's really interesting because you have penguins all over. Yeah, and I feel like that's one of the only places where that happens. If not, like, if it, like one of the warm places that happens, yeah. you know, because you have penguins um, in the South Pole. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, you get there and then you go to the beach and then there's a penguin there. Penguins and there's like on a the sea lion on the equator. Yeah. So it's it's a very unique, a unique type of tourism, like something. If you go there, you'll see things you've never seen before. Yeah, yeah, that's fast. Well, that's a good sales pitch for yeah. sure. <laughs> um, thank you so much for spending time with us today. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. That's great. Yeah. So we're gonna listen to some Chino and Nacho. Yes, if I said that right. Yes, that's right. And absolutely. And uh, again, thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> Esta canción nació de un pensamiento ¿Es así? Y yo solo pienso en ti, mi niña bonita Mi amor Oye, tú reconoces un hit cuando lo oyes <risa> Lo que siento por ti es ternura y pasión Tú me haces yo sentir que hay en mi corazón tanto amor Tanto amor Yo nací para ti, tú también para mí Tarde vivir sin tu amor, sin tu amor. 
princesa Me siento en las nubes cuando tú me besas Y siento que vuelo más alto que el cielo Si tengo de cerca el olor de tu pelo Mi niña bonita, brillante lucero Se queda pequeña la frase te quiero Por eso mis labios te dicen te amo Cuando estamos juntos más nos Lleno de romance y alegría De bello detalle cada día Nena, ¿quién lo diría? Que de ti yo me enamoraría Y que sin tu amor no viviría Como sabía que esto pasaría Que ibas a ser mía y que yo querría Amarte por siempre Mi niña bonita Mi niña bonita Mi dulce princesa Me siento en las nubes Cuando tú me besas Y siento que vuelo Más alto que el cielo Si tengo de cerca Únicamente tu mi niña bonita. Hello and welcome back to Tracks from Abroad on CIUT 89.5 FM. I'm Alex, I'm here with Seth, and I want to thank again Tomas Pena for speaking with us. Uh, before we get into the next segment of the show, the next interview, I'd also like to thank all of our listeners for all the donations that we received in our uh, fall funding drive mm-hmm. last week. So we made it to 73% of our targeted goal of $100,000. Wow. So thanks for that. But if you still want to show your appreciation, believe it or not, we're still accepting donations. Isn't that funny? So you can uh, head over to CIUT.FM. That's uh, on the World Wide Web, of course. And uh, you can donate there if you still uh, feel the need to show your appreciation. And, uh, you know, we'll shout it out if we see uh, big donations coming in. Yeah, we would be uh, forever grateful. Of course, yeah. And... uh, one of the reasons that we seek donations is because here at Tracks from Abroad, we do a little bit of real-life traveling, too. Mm. Seth, you went to Montreal to get some coverage. What, do you, what yes. did you do there? Yes, this is true. Uh, this past week, me and one of the producers and, and founder of the show, Jesse McDougall, Jesse McDougall. We, we traveled to Montreal for the uh, music conference Mundial Montreal. Uh, we saw some really incredible performances, world music everywhere from 
Brazil, France, um, you know, Argentina as well, actually, uh, some traditional Quebec music as well. Um, yeah, and we filmed some great interviews that uh, hopefully will be hitting your eyes and ears very soon. And yeah, it was a really, really, you know, incredible experience getting to do that. And, uh, you know, thanks to the uh, to the show for, for letting us uh, letting us get there. Yeah. So you'll be able to catch that for sure on the Instagram and some mm -hmm. of it will probably make it on it onto air. too. Yeah, we have uh, we have a ton of, of great interviews. And uh, the next part of our show, we will be speaking to professor from the school Alejandro Sofia from Argentina. First, he speaks a little bit about, you know, his upbringing and uh, his studies of Mexican horror literature. So you're listening to Tracks from Abroad, and uh, let's take a listen. Well, I come from a middle-class family in Buenos Aires, in Argentina. I was always surrounded with a lot of books. I enjoyed reading from a very young age, and my mother was very supportive of me, so she brought me a lot of books. My first decision was to study political science, but then I started the first semester and I thought that was not for me, and so I went and studied literature. I specialized in Latin American literature, in particular, and Argentinian literature. In the middle, I did a lot of jobs. I was a librarian. Then I went um, started working as a secondary school teacher. I taught um, literature and Spanish. I did that for like seven years. Yeah, I got married in 2014. In 2015, there was a change of government in my country, and we were like having a hard time deciding what we wanted to do with our future. And we always wanted to come to Canada, and so I decided to pursue a master's degree at Western and uh, UBC. I got accepted at the three of them, and I decided to come here. I did my master's, and then I did my PhD, and so now I am here. And specifically in your studies, you have mm. some focus on like the horror genre, right? Yes, well, that's a, a curious thing because I was always more interested in detective fiction, mystery fiction. I, I brought and published some detective fictions in Argentina. And then I came here and when I was deciding what I was going to do with my PhD or what I was I wanted to, to, to base my dissertation on, I had only one thing that I was not very sure that was I didn't want to work with Argentinian fiction because because as my previous work as a writer, I know a lot of writers from Argentina and I didn't want to be involved with doing research on people that I know right. in person. But then I attended a, more like a talk by an invited guest here at Latin American Studies Program. His lecture was more about narratives of horror related to political things. And that was my eureka moment, my epiphany when I saw like mixed together my interest with uh, narco narratives and the horror genre. So I got back to the horror genre which was it has always been one of my favorite genres but I had it like buried inside me because my mother really never wanted me to watch mm -hmm. horror films and all that so I was like I kept apart from that but I really discovered my passion for horror what do you think specifically about the genre that excites you so much? One of the things that I find most fascinating about the genre is that it's one of the most political genres around here. It's a genre that usually gets a lot of traction when there's political, economical, social crisis. And so I am a very political person in my private life. I, I always been very interested in politics. That's one of the aspects that most interests me. And also, well, uh, the, the gore, of course. <laughs> 
you know, you talk about also writing books and publishing books, I'm sure is like a very exciting experience. What for you is like the most rewarding part of that whole process? I think the most rewarding thing about publishing books is getting to know the, the people that read your books and talk with them and maybe when you get some good feedback. Yeah, I think that's the most rewarding thing, getting to know that your public and being with them and when they tell you that they saw something in your book that you maybe didn't thought about. What about something that's more difficult or something that you know the regular person wouldn't necessarily know that goes into the process? It's hard and it's not always very rewarding because, of course, I mean, you get all this feedback sometimes, but like I published with Penguin back in, in Argentina. And for like a month, the, the book came out. I was like the star for my editor and she was like telling me things and writing me and look at how are we selling. And it was very interested in me. And well, when is your next book coming and all that? And then when that little window closed, they don't even answer right. your emails. You, you get ghosts. The whole publishing industry is, is hard, you know. You, you get your check like six months after a past. But yeah, I mean, it has some good things too as well. We're going to take a short music break. If there's any specific song from uh, Argentina that you'd like to recommend that we can play. Well, you can look for He 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 by Redonditos de Ricota. All right, well, we're going to listen to He 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 on Tracks from Abroad on CIUT 89.5 FM. En blanca noche, el hijo tenaz 
Welcome back to Tracks from Abroad on CIUT 89.5 FM. Today we're talking with Alejandro from Argentina. I want to ask you also a little bit about, you know, your upbringing and the difference in culture that you find here in Canada. Well, first of all, in Latin America, we used to have dinner much later in the night. The first day I came here to Toronto and I went looking for a restaurant like at 10 p.m. Well, that night I, I didn't have anything for dinner, as you can imagine, because everything was closed. And another thing that kind of different is uh, the political landscape in Latin America is lived with much more passion and much more intensity because in each election you, you are risking your life, you know, mm-hmm. your your lifestyle, your your choices, your your rights. Right now, there's a runoff election in in my country, and things are so so intense right now. You you cannot enter Twitter and not get bombarded by a lot of political discourse and discussion and a lot of enraged people, and it's kind of very intense. In Argentina, voting is mandatory. Mm-hmm. And you are always registered to, to okay. vote. Also, voting is during a Sunday, so they make sure that you don't have any yeah. other thing to do. No excuses. <laughs> no excuses. And yeah, they are more like uh, engaged in the, mm. in the whole democratic process. And, you know, going forward, do you plan to still do a lot of work in the horror genre? And what specific do you kind of have planned for? I tend to continue working with the horror genre. I am currently continuing my my work with my dissertation. I'm trying to convert it into a book. And I am also interested in moving my my work to the rest of Latin America, specifically now, yes, Argentina Mm -hmm. and maybe other places. Also some U.S.-Mexico border narratives that are coming from there that are very horror-centric. How do you feel about posthumous releases of books? In this case, he intended to get this book published. He left some notes on how to publish it, so okay. I think it's, it's granted that it was a good call. Mm. But if the writer wasn't intending in publishing yeah. it, mm, I'm not so sure. It varies depending on the, mm-hmm. on the artist. Yeah. 
Can you tell us a little bit about your recent lectures and talks that you had at the Toronto Public Library? I gave a public lecture at the Toronto Public Library. I talked about some Mexican horror fictions. And also, I recently had um, CBC Radio do a documentary podcast about my, my work as well. So I'm really happy about this because I think I always think of myself as a public intellectual. I intend to be a public intellectual. I, tend, I try to, to make my work and my thinking available to the broadest public possible and make it accessible as far as it can be. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that's very important for me. With Fage, I have been more vocal on my opposition to cryptic writing styles and these hermetic ways of uh, writing. I think that academic writing needs to be more accessible to the general public. That's one of my goals with my work. How do you propose that that uh, is to happen? First of all, try to drop all the dramatic way of writing. Try to be as clear as possible. Mm-hmm. Try to be as... Uh, I, I mean, I have some background as a journalist as well. So for me, it's easier to write for a broader public than, than to a, an academic public right. if you want. But apart from that, I think that if you know how to write, you need to know how to make your ideas accessible to the people that are going to, to benefit from your work. Can you tell us a little bit about your past as a journalist? What specifically did you report on? Yes, I was mostly a cultural uh, journalist. I wrote essays, think pieces, and book reviews in uh, one of the biggest newspapers in Argentina. Well, my first book was a non-fiction about Orthodox Jewish denomination. And my second book, which is one that I have a soft spot for, was a mix of non-fiction and essay about what I call the the invasion of American pop culture in Argentina and more generally in, in Latin America. So I went to comic conventions and anime conventions because it was also some Japanese uh, pop culture as well and I interview a lot of people talk with a lot of people and, and well I try to do a little history about how these trends came to, to Argentina and, and Latin America Anything else that you'd like to speak about or bring up? Do you have any talks or uh, anything coming up? We are preparing a discussion panel here at DFT about the runoff elections in Argentina and the rise of the far right in, in Latin America in general. It's going to be hosted at the Latin American Studies Program. I organized the panel and I'm going to be speaking in the panel. And we're going to be discussing some of these things and how they came to be. Well, we're going to take another short music break. If there's one more song that you could recommend for us, that would be amazing. Ya no sos igual by dos minutos. All right, we're going to take a short music break on Tracks from Abroad on CIUT 89.5 FM.
Hello, you are listening to Tracks from Abroad on CIUT 89.5 FM. We just heard from Alejandro Sofier. Uh, we want to thank him for coming in and sharing with us a little bit about Argentina. And, uh, you know, if you're following the news, there's a historical election that just happened there. I'm no, I'm no political uh, pundit, but, um, you know, the last song kind of made me want to maybe start a revolution. So you can always listen to that in, uh, in support. But, um, yeah, we want to thank the crew that works on Tracks from Abroad as well. We have Matthew, the board tech, editors Simon and Rosa, social media managers Akshida and Isabella, as well as directors Jesse and Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we're going to just play one more song to close at the show. Could you tell us a bit about it, Seth? Yeah, so uh, this song is from the Imbayacunas music group uh, from Ecuador, and they perform a lot in Canada. Um, yeah, performing some traditional Ecuadorian rhythms and... Uh, yeah, we hope you uh, you enjoy. Yeah, hopefully you do. I know that the traditional Ecuadorian music, I found it very interesting. It's such mm-hmm. a, there are so many different cultures that sort of went into creating Ecuador. The indigenous culture, right. the Spanish culture, the African culture. So you can really hear that in the traditional music, which I find very enjoyable. And some very interesting flutes, I feel like. And yes. like handmade uh, instruments as well. Yeah, exactly. So... Uh, that's gonna that's gonna close it out for us here today at Tracks from Abroad. So as always, we're gonna thank you for listening. We're gonna wish you a happy evening, and we're gonna let you know that coming up next is Indigenous Waves, so you can stick around for that. Thank you, and have a good night. In 